Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's graduation season, and I'm sure many of us either have or will be attending a few graduations. We usually hear something like a graduation speech. Sometimes they take the form of a farewell speech, too. And whether they come from valedictorians, presidents, or politicians, or others, Usually a farewell speech includes some kind of parting words of wit or wisdom, some instruction, inspiration. We heard last week that John 16 takes place with Jesus and his disciples in the upper room that night before Good Friday. Maybe it helps to think a little bit of this setting, this context in John 16, like Jesus' farewell speech to his disciples. It's where he prepares them. He instructs them. He also comforts them, prepares them for his coming death and resurrection and their calling as apostles, their work of spreading the gospel that will endure and encounter their own cross as well. So he prepares also us. He instructs us. He comforts us for our life in this world, for our calling as his children, as we share the gospel with our neighbors, wherever we are called as his people. And in Jesus' farewell speech here in John 16, he has two promises for his disciples, to be sure, but for us as well. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation. You will have tribulation. How's that for the first promise, huh? Now put yourself for a moment in the disciples' sandals. Probably not the sort of thing you would expect to hear from Jesus. Not the kind of promise that they would have come to know from him. Maybe even not the kind of word you want to hear from Jesus. It is, however, the truth, isn't it? In this world, you will have tribulation. It was certainly true of the apostles. James was beheaded. Peter crucified upside down, not wanting to be crucified as our Lord was. Andrew scourged and hung on a X-shaped cross. Every one of them except John died a martyr's death. And he was, died in exile. In this world you will have tribulation, our Lord says. It's true of us too. The world loves to throw tribulation at us. In fact, the word itself, tribulation, is like a physical pressure, like a pressure cooker. It also has the sense that we are squeezed and squished. Think like a snake constricting around its prey. Seems like a pretty good description of life in this fallen world, doesn't it? Because so often life seems to press down, to weigh down upon us, to squeeze us. And there's our own sin and death. There's disease, there's sorrow, there's guilt. It constricts us, it squishes we, God's beloved baptized people, His holy bride, the people of the Lamb, His church, we do live in days of tribulation. We hear reports all the time of how the church in the West is declining, how American Christianity prefers to deliver a gospel of entertainment rather than the gospel of Jesus crucified. We hear how churches in 
Europe and the Middle East and Asia are bombed or set afire or worse for the sake of Christ's name. The world around us appears to be like a thistle head that points its prickling daggers to us, at us, in every direction. Within our own country, there's arguments and discussion and heated debate over marriage and family and the value of life and the care of life from conception to death. In this world, you will have tribulation. So, what are we to do about it? What do we as Christians do? Do we give up? After all, if you can't beat them, join them. No. Do we despair? Give up hope? Do we make like King Arthur and Monty Python and just run away? Run away. No. Neither of those are good options either. There really is only one option. Cling all the more to Jesus' promises. Receive all the more Jesus' word and his body and blood and his promises here. For the same Lord who promised his disciples, in this world you will have tribulation, he also promised them as he promises you this day. Take heart. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You see, Jesus himself was no stranger to tribulation. Jesus spoke these very words to his disciples that night before enduring the greatest of all tribulations, his crucifixion. His death for his disciples, for the world, and for each of you. As Isaiah says, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and by his wounds you are healed. You see, on the cross, Jesus let the great serpent constrict and suffocate and crucify him so that no one will ever snatch you out of his hands. On the cross, Jesus is defeated by death so that in his death and resurrection, you win and receive his victory. On the cross, Jesus is overcome and weighed down by our sin and guilt and shame so that in him, you are never overcome. Take heart. I have overcome the world, Jesus says to you. Jesus' death and resurrection is stronger than anything the devil, the world, or even our own sinfulness can throw at him. Martin Luther once wrote in a sermon about this same text that the I in Jesus' promise overcomes and conquers whatever is in the world. And it is greater than the you, the us, that suffers tribulation. You see, Jesus came out of that great tribulation of his suffering and death. So too, just as he did, he will lead us and his disciples and all his people through the tribulation of this life to himself, to life with him forever. You see, Jesus' second promise to his disciples and to you is far greater than the first. It's true, in this life we will suffer. There is great tribulation that some of us have already experienced, and no doubt that we will yet. And yet, no matter how weak or overwhelmed or downtrodden we may feel, Jesus is victorious in his death and resurrection for you. Jesus is triumphant over sin and death and the devil for you. Jesus promises his disciples, and today he promises you, take heart, I have overcome the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.